Here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name, of course, is Eddie Cohn, host, creator of The Spiritual Spiral. Thrilled you are here today, listening to the show. Awesome conversation today. I think a very important conversation with Bob Bradley. Bob is the bass player in a band based out of Orange County called Fake Figures. And I actually play a song, I'd say it's about, well, a clip of a song about probably, oh, 35 minutes into the show or so, called You're Distant. It's from a record from 2019. They're actually in the studio right now making a new record, but I do play a clip from one of his songs on the show. You can find Fake Figures, obviously, on Spotify, all the streaming platforms, so definitely check them out. I reached out to Bob, though, because he just wrote a book. Yes, he just wrote a book called Public Relations for Musicians, a do-it-yourself guide to getting featured by the media. So this is, you know, not too long of an intro, but his book, and and the reason why I reached out to Bob is because, to me, it touches on some topics that I'm very interested in. By the way, you know, if you love the show, please share the show with your friends. That stuff really helps. Maybe head over to iTunes and write a review. Give it a five star. But again, tell people about it. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Eddie Cohn. You can find Bob at Mr. Bob Bradley on Instagram. Again, the band that he's in is called Fake Figures. But again, back to the book that he wrote. Let me just backtrack. Let me backtrack really quickly. An article came out in the LA Times maybe six weeks ago about the value of listening to music from beginning to end, like a record from beginning to end, not just a single. And this doesn't, you don't have to go out and buy a record player and listen to vinyl. You can obviously do this on Spotify. But what has happened, the convenience of being able to listen to anything you want on Spotify, the nonstop barrage of information that's being flooded towards our face and our senses every single day, what is that doing to how we consume And what is that doing to our appreciation towards craft and artistry? You know, there's a reason why Radiohead and OK Computer put track three after two, put Paranoid Android number two, and put Exit Music music for a Film at number four and Let Down Five. I mean, there's a lot of thought. It's sort of this process. You're taken on a journey. Bands used to shape the culture. They used to be influencers. And now I think technology is influencing artists in the sense that they have, they feel like they have to put singles out every six weeks. They have to be on TikTok promoting themselves, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of this PR activities take a lot of time. And I do think it's sort of, there's only 24 hours in a day And it's really hard to put out a great record. It's really hard to write a great song. So if artists now have to spend in their 24 hours, you know, four hours a day playing guitar, two hours a day working on their vocals, and then another four hours a day just on social media, maybe there's a reason why music, in my opinion, isn't as good as it used to be. I mean, of course there are exceptions, but I don't remember the last time I found a record from beginning to end that that moved me. It's like bands are all about putting out singles, which I understand. I mean, I'm doing the same thing. But I think we need to do what we can to at least try to consume records from beginning to end. Take an hour a day, an hour a week to devote to just listening to music, not while you're watching Netflix, not while you're emailing or texting. I realize it's an uphill battle, but I think we need to draw more awareness to how we're consuming art and also giving something back, appreciating, sharing, you know, a band that you think is amazing, share with your friends, make a mixtape, turn off the phones or turn off the television and just listen to the record from beginning to end. And it is empowering, and this sort of goes back to Bob's book, it is empowering thanks to the internet that I can use MusoSoup or MySphere or some different sites and do my own PR. And Bob's book has a lot of suggestions that, you know, 15, 20 years ago, we couldn't do as artists. 
It's a completely sort of different part of the brain. It's also sort of arts, you know, many artists don't want to promote themselves. It's uncomfortable talking about yourself. And it does feel like the most successful artists right now have to sort of be sort of narcissistic and, and are comfortable in front of the camera and want to talk about themselves. I mean, I think about all the introverts out there in the world that are artists that don't really feel comfortable or don't want to be on social media, would rather just get better at painting or writing or singing. So it's just this sort of very complicated chasm of, of music and art and social media and, and how do we all consume now? And do we even think about the work that artists put into their work? Sort of a topic, especially now that I'm almost done with my record and I'm thinking about how do I promote my music now? You know, music videos and singles and remixes, it's sort of a bit overwhelming. And then I think, last point here, does anybody even care? It's like, what does it take to get somebody to stop thinking about a selfie they took, some minutia they're reading on this weird website, to actually take a moment and appreciate the new song or the new album that, like, Beck put out? It's, it's just sort of... Are artists influencing the culture anymore? Can you be an introvert and still be a successful quote-unquote artist in today's insanely technology-focused world? So these are some areas that I find obviously very interesting, as you can tell. I'm, I'm very passionate about it, very passionate about bringing back an understanding of what artists are doing and appreciating them. Really appreciate Bob taking the time to talk with me this week. Again, the book is called Public Relations for Musicians. You can find it on Amazon. Um, you can reach out to Bob, Mr. Bob Bradley, on Instagram if you want to talk further about PR and the music world. You know where to find me at website, IamEddieCone.com. I have a bunch of new music I just put out and more music coming over the next six months. You can find it at eddiecone.bandcamp.com. It's also on the streaming services as well. You can find me on Instagram, Eddie Cone, Twitter, Eddie Cone. Please reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from you and hear what you think about the show. And that is it. Thanks again, Bob, for taking the time to talk to me and to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Have you heard of, it's called MySphera, M-Y-S-P-H-E-R-A. I want to say yes. I don't know why, though. Well, basically, this, you know, the, the, on the one hand, there's all these platforms that have sort of come out over the last few years that, that mm -hmm. have sort of empowered artists Um sort of to be able to give them the, the um, opportunity to do their own PR, do their own pitching right. for, for playlists. Uh, yeah, uh, so MySphera, yes. for yes. a very low fee of like 29 bucks, you can send your music to them, and then they'll try and um, pitch your, your songs to their playlist. Another one that is really great that I've been using for PR is, have you heard of Muso Soup? Yes. Yeah, they're based that's, in uh, Europe. Europe. Yeah. So I, I, I've met Chris, and I think that's his name, and they're great. And so I kind of, I'm just looking for my phone. I, I don't like to have it nearby, but I did text myself. So my Sphera just posted something on Twitter. So basically it says, the 21 simple things musicians must do in 2021 to grow their audiences and boost their career. Right. And this is sort of something that I, I, I struggle with quite regularly um, because, you know, and, and I just finished reading the Chris Cornell biography. I reread um, Bruce Springsteen and the Kurt Cobain biography. And, you know, all of these things on this list, um, you know, make sure you have social links in your profiles. Um, <laughs> start a giveaway. Use Reddit. Try Livestream. Try Patreon. Give Sync a try. Use Discord. Try Ooh. stories. And it's, it's sort of like one of the things that I think 
is what's happening because of social media and tech. I, I think music and art isn't as good as it used to be. There's only, you know, to get really great at songwriting, you have to work on songwriting. You, you shouldn't be spending your time worrying about stories and Discord and Patreon. But now because yeah. of what's happened with tech and social media, artists, you know, have to divide their time and do all of these things. Yep. It's scary. It's it's anxiety inducing for the artist. And I think that the the art of simplicity is kind of forgotten and people think that they, if they don't do it all, if they don't do everything that is kind of... Sh- shined upon in society in the music sphere like they're like failing or they're not it's like FOMO fear of missing out on all of these platforms and things and it's like you don't need to do all that stuff to be successful I mean hey you've got to write great songs you have to have great production and but people want to fast forward fast forward fast forward they want to use all these solutions they want to spend money on all these different different platforms for playlisting the non-ethical way. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's a, a whole different conversation, but people need to keep it simple and they forget about that. And I think with PR, people need to do a few things really well instead of just trying to do everything. And then they just stop. It's like, I need to get in shape. And then they try and do too much and then they hurt themselves or they get over it. And they're like, this is too much work. And it's just like, do 30 minutes a day, you know, five days a week. And yeah. then, once you get comfortable, once you get in a flow and it becomes a habit, then you can find what works for you and then it becomes you know a little bit better for you. But I think for artists, they just it's like all or none and then they just don't do anything because it's too much. But do you, you know, you know, I know these are sometimes sort of blanket statements I make, but <clears> I, you know, I have a record player and I, I listened to um, Pearl Jam's 10 a few days ago and I listened to the first Tom Petty record and um, I don't know. I just I don't think music is what it used to be. And 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 I and I I'm a DJ. I listen to a lot of contemporary music. Uh, I have I think I have my pulse pretty pretty well on on what's being released. And I don't yeah. know. And it feels like artists have almost like given up. Like why bother putting in all the effort for to ten songs when it's impossible to get people to listen to song one to song ten? Yeah, I, I think some artists I. I think that a lot of artists have thrown in the towel or they just keep it to themselves and they don't try or artists try too hard. But I think there's not a lot of people in between where they're comfortable in their own skin. They're comfortable being where they're at in their career and just keep going and keep at it and just sprinkle in some things here and there that are realistic to do to keep you going for years to come. Things because people focus so much on artists that get zero to 60 right away. And I think it's always been that way. It's just a different medium. And now we see it all the time through TikTok, through Instagram and Facebook. And it can be very discouraging. It's like if you really want that car, but you don't have the budget saved for it, and then you see your friend get it, you're like, if I don't have it now, I'm a failure. It's like, no, just keep doing you. And you'll get to that point in your career, or you'll get that thing that you want. And I mean, there's that, and then there's studying the practices that work best for you, right? Right. So I think it's like a little bit of a mix of both. And it's I think it's ultimately patience. You know, people in our society, and I've been equally as guilty, are put on this like fast track kind of, a, you know, a, in a fast track mentality where people want it now. They want to, you know, if they write this song and they get it done and then they're ready to put it out into the world and then they don't, get the results that they want within a week or two, they think they've failed. And it's like, no, keep going. Try something else with that, but keep making your art and keep putting it out. All of my friends at different age ranges who have found success with music, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, they went three or four years and nothing happened. And all of a sudden something happened. And then there was snowball momentum, but they weren't thinking about it. They didn't have this agenda of like, man, I really need a million plays on Spotify. They're just like, I love making music and I understand there's a business aspect to it, but I'm just going to focus on doing things that are smart for the right reasons. And it's hard because people want success. People want to be validated for what they do and they can get caught up in doing it for the wrong reasons. And then if it doesn't work out, they, they feel like a failure and they don't try again. <laughs> yeah, it's weird though. Like when I, when I read that um, post though from My Sphera, 
and I speak to other people that, and maybe I'm sensitive to it right now just because I'm, I'm close to being done with the record, but it does feel yeah. like, it feels like the world wants me, if I want to get traction, if I want plays and if I want to get syncs and, and, you know, I, I, it feels like I have to be on Instagram and post stories and all this sort right. of stuff. I don't know what, what's. What is what is a successful artist these days? I mean, are those days of of a artist selling fifty, hundred thousand copies, go, being on the road, especially now with COVID? I, I don't know. Like, what does this all mean? Uh, and yeah. I think about this. What does this all mean to the successful quote unquote artist? Yeah, and I, I'm thinking about quite a few different things. I'm like, I'm going into a time machine for a second. I'm thinking of artists that I loved in the '90s, you know, and from all different genres of music, from hip hop to electro to rock. And I'm like, these guys weren't sitting here all day updating their MySpace <laughs> and updating TikTok. You know, they were just making music. And, you know, some of these artists had multi-million dollar contracts, but it didn't require all that social media to be successful. And if you're going to use social media, you have to want to. You can't force yourself to use all these platforms and expect yourself to like it and make it a habit because you're just going to give up on that. It's like do what works for you, what you're excited about as a like an icing on the cake for making your music to at least make the public know you exist. You know, so if you really like Facebook, just stick with Facebook and use that as your platform, link to your music, talk about the stuff that you did behind the scenes or some production videos or, you know, photos, but you don't have to do TikTok, you don't have to do Instagram, you don't have to do all these things. Because then you're just going to get discouraged and you're going to quit and then you're going to feel like a failure because you don't have X amount of followers. And it's like creative people are very emotional. They're very uh, driven by validation. And, you know, if you're not feeling validated in all these things that you're supposed to do, quote unquote, to promote yourself, it's like, what's the point? And if you really need that, hire somebody, find the budget to do it yeah. or learn how to do it and if you're in a band and you have four members, find somebody in your group that enjoys marketing and make sure that they get on that. You know, it's yeah. but success to answer your question. Success is very uh, relative because some artists are like, I need to do this for a living and I need to pay my bills for other artists. Many of the artists that I work with, they just want the validation of getting, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 features in these publications. So people know they exist and that they know that their, their art is critiqued in a positive way and they're happy with that. You know, like yeah. I'm kind of in that boat personally because I don't do music full time for a living anymore. So if someone's like, your music's cool, man, I'm like, I can sleep at night. I'm like, wow, my art is actually liked by somebody. But for others, they're like, I got to pay my bills, man. And that's a that's a different boat. You know, that's that's where you really want to do PR because you really need people to find out that you exist. You really need campaigns and playlisting and all that stuff. So I want to ask about the book that you wrote, but you, you said something that I've been really thinking about. I just watched the Taylor Swift documentary. I just watched the Lady Gaga one that came out a while ago, but I just watched it. And you said something about, and re, you know, correct me if I don't remember exactly how you said it, but artists are doing it for validation. I think, yes. well, that's the thing. I don't know if uh, and maybe I'm, um, well, a lot of artists are not all. Artists yeah. But I, to me, I feel like the true artist, I feel like the world we live in and social media has mm -hmm. transformed true artistry into what you're talking about. It's, it's not about the art anymore. And I, I go back to Kurt Cobain, you know, he, he's, He's doing it because I feel like he had immense pain and immense depression and stomach problems and drug issues. And, you know, I, I've, I think I do this podcast and I write to try and make sense of the world. The, the world to me is this very complex <laughs> space that I'm trying to navigate. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think, yeah, I think a ripple effect of what I'm doing. If people, you know, I just got a tweet from some guy who listened to the podcast that I just produced yesterday. And he's like, wow, that was freaking really great. I mean, of course that feels good, but somehow mm -hmm. I think we're getting, we're somehow moving away from artists that are doing it because 
it's meditational, therapeutic, and they have to, to what you sort of are talking about where artists are doing it for attention or validation. Yeah, and I, I don't want to get the, the word validation mixed up with attention-seeking behavior if we're going to talk psychology here because validation to one person might be completely different to another. It's like I'm just meaning that on a very like deep human level where like I make this music and like I, my kids, we always watch that movie soul and like you're in the zone, you're in that flow, just like meditating, right? Just like you and yoga. And I do all this music and I'm like, man, I'm writing this with my friends who are in the band or by myself. But then if someone in the public or in the media writes about it, it's like, it's a deeply personal thing that is being talked about by somebody else and they like it. That's validation. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. That that's very meaningful to someone like maybe like Kurt Cobain, he maybe he didn't give a crap about that. You know, he's just like, this is kind of annoying. Like, I can't believe we're big. This sucks because I don't. Right. I don't think he liked being popular. And I don't. I think to speak to your point, most artists now are trained and conditioned because of society and social media and artists that, that they look up to. So it's not even really their fault. It's just we're all products of the things that we admired when we were kids or teenagers, and then we kind of copy that and we make it our own thing. Um, but I think that they are doing it because they don't know any other way to think as an artist. And I think some artists are getting a lot of enjoyment out of it and they're crafting their own personalities. And I think especially in certain genres, they're not being crazy enough about it. Just like tearing the, the, the barrier down and just being yourself and doing things that are quirky and cool. Then there's some artists like, you know, like the Takashi six, nine or whatever, that rapper guy. And it's just like, this dude's kind of clown shoes, man. Like it's, he's just doing it to like prod at the the world. And he knows that the more he does it, the more attention he's going to get. And it's like, I don't think that guy's authentic. I think he's nuts, but he might really just enjoy what he's doing at the same time. You know, he might be like, this is my art, but he's also, you know, prodding at the world to get attention because maybe the, at one point he did it because he loved it. And now it's turned into this like narcissism basically. Yeah. And I think for emerging artists, it's like you have to be careful and really question like, why am I doing this? What's, the, what's the title of the book that just came out? It's a uh, public relations for musicians. Okay, and I think very, I know very unique name. <laughs> well, no, but I think you know. Funny enough, I was on Facebook, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, and I think I saw that you you posted something about it, and and that's I'm just that topic is very fresh in my mind right now, very top of mind. Yeah. So, what inspired you to to write the book? I mean, I want to backtrack eventually and talk about music and the band, but. Um, I, mean, I get the sense you had a lot of experience in this world that you and I are talking about, but but what inspired you to spend the time to write the book? Because I know that's a huge mountain to climb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I I got this idea that there are it's, it's it really comes from me doing PR over the years and all of these artists, especially in music, because in other industries, it's the budgets aren't as much of a problem, honestly. But in music, um, some artists just can't afford PR. And it just got to this point where I'm just like, man, why don't I just write like a guide? At first, I'm like like a PDF or something, and I could sell it for 10 bucks or give it away for free. And the agenda really wasn't to make money. It just sounded fun. It sounded like something that would be good for artists because you know, 10, 15 bucks is a lot easier to digest than a lot more than that. Yeah. And I'm not the cheapest publicist, especially at this point in my life, thankfully. <laughs> and I'm very thankful for the business that I have. But I know that certain artists just can't afford most publicists. And they make great music. And they're at least hip enough to the art of marketing. Where they're like, man, I'd like to get featured in newspapers and blogs. But maybe they write corny emails that just hmm. make the the media people's eyes roll. And I'm just like, man, maybe the media would appreciate that this book exists too. Because... If someone's going to be ambitious enough to reach out and do their own PR, at least they can do it right. And I can have this rule book that 
will make these artists not piss off media people for one and actually help them build relationships and understand how it goes. And then some artists might just read this and be like, man, this really is a lot of work and it is worth the money and I'll hire whoever, you know, it doesn't have to be me, but I think it's, it's more than just a tool. It's more than just a guidebook. It's more of a, like, I'm curious how that works, you know, like, you know, it's not a rocket ship, you know, it's not Tesla or <laughs> SpaceX. Right, right. It's not very complicated. It's easy to learn this in the hundred and so pages that the, that this book is. And at first I'm like, man, do most people know this already? And I'm getting all this feedback from people like, man, this like taught me so much. Thank you for writing this. And I'm like, all right, cool. Validation. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> P, you know, PR is this, this sort of mysterious enigma to me. It's, it's like, I, I, again, I'm not trying to, I, I suddenly I can't think of the word, but I, you know, I get the sense like if you were played on K rock, you know, 15, 20 years ago, your video was on MTV. Um, you could potentially, your life could change. And, and I, I've been published in articles and, or in, in, in yeah. magazines and newspapers. And I think there's this strange thing happening now. And I talk about this a lot on my podcast. What does yeah. it take to get people to care? <laughs> like, really, like people might, like an article may come out about you, Bob Bradley. And but they have that fucking phone, and they're like their mind is on like their yoga class. They got like they have better things to do. It's like I feel like this world we live in now. It's just everybody's just thinking about themselves or their phone, and they may look at that article, they may hear that song, but then they just like move on. It's it's weird. Yeah, I mean it's it's literally that times a million these days. Yeah, compared to if you were in spin twenty years ago, you're like oh my gosh, your your life could change you could get that call from an A&R at Maverick or Warner Brothers and boom, you're good. And I just think now more than ever, and it, it's not just applicable to small artists, it's applicable to everybody. It's like something could come out about Kanye West and a new album and two weeks later people are like, oh yeah, that had a new album come out, <laughs> you know, or something bad about him could come out and then they'll forget about that too. So it's about consistency hmm. and that's, it's harder. It's harder than ever. And that's why you have to, if you want to do what you do and you want people to find out about who you are, you have to do it consistently, consistently for a long time for the entire time that you do your art. Yeah. Honestly, it's, you know, you see, you see Madonna and it's like, I mean, she doesn't have to do as much as probably she used to. She just posts a few times and she'll get sales, but she needs things to come out about her music, and I know she's had some weird stuff come out about her. I know she's maybe losing it a little bit, but um, that's a different thing. But as far as music, regardless of how established you are, you have to keep putting stuff out there and get things in the media, if that's the level of artist that you want to be, all the time, you know, once or twice a month to keep yourself consistent. And then you'll look back years later and you're like, wow, like I really have grown. But if you just you have an album coming out and you do two or three months of work and that's cool. But within a few months after that, most people will have forgotten about that because we're so inundated with new information, especially if you love music like I do and you do. And it's like, I, I see in rainbows in the background here. I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that, that radiohead album is amazing. I forgot about that or a moon shaped pool. And I, love these bands, but even with some of my favorite bands, I just forget that those albums are out unless I listen to it all the time. And then I have to see something, ping, new Radiohead album. And then why do people all of a sudden dive into the favorite things, like the Marvel stuff? Like I'm, I'm really, I like watching WandaVision. I'm like, this is so interesting. And it makes me want to go watch other Marvel stuff. And whether you think it's corny or not, it's like it's that ping reminder that I exist, right? Yeah. And that's the same thing for an artist. New singles, new feature in the media, new playlist edition. It's like all these reasons that you can, uh, giving people a reason to think of you. You know, you spent, I spent 12 months on this record. I've only released one song. I've got a couple remixes coming out. And I think there is something to be said about, I would, I probably would get a little depressed or sad to spend a year if three, four months from now, I release all 10 songs. 
you know, do a little press around it, and then that's it. But and it's over. <laughs> but at least yeah. with at least with this, you know, I released a single, um, then release a remix like two months later, release mm-hmm. maybe a, another single a month later. So I've got like I'll spread it out over six to eight months because it's it's also time consuming to make a music video, and uh, yeah. so there is something to be said where it 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 almost sort of takes a little of the pressure off, which which I think is great. Um, yeah, but then I and I also think, um, how you know, is this how, how much did Spotify affect you know, was it a combination of Napster and then people? I, I guess my last question, there's almost a couple questions, but I also struggle with do people really to think that people will never pay for music? And and I think there's a strange world where people don't appreciate the work that goes into putting out a re- like yeah making music and 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 then to think that um and is this idea that you just you don't have to pay for music anymore i, I don't know it's it, that, that's something i've had a hard time you know coming to terms with yeah i mean i think that if people like your art enough and you have enough product i mean i don't i don't it's not quantity but it's you have product that people value and that's why artists are putting out vinyl. It's like this band Gojira that I like, they're like a metal band and I don't, you know, I like metal, but not as much as I used to, but I'm like, man, this band is so cool. And then they posted something yesterday, like a pre-order for a picture vinyl and it was $22. And I'm like, hell yeah, Hmm. I'm going to buy that. looks awesome. And do I need it? No, but it's like, I like still getting things to express my appreciation for that art. Right. Just so you have that in rainbows album. It's like, I'm sure you could just pop it on Spotify and go for a run or take yeah. a nap, you know. But I also think <laughs> depending maybe, on what song. <laughs> but maybe part of the reason why you're even thinking about that and spending that $22 cuz I think I want to do vinyl for my new album but it's going to cost minimum like $2500 to produce like well, yeah. So I think but maybe you're aware of it because you are a musician and you've been in a band and I just those millions of, I don't know, there's just, I think there's an aloofness in the world where there's not an understanding of, of how challenging it is to, you know, make a movie, uh, put out a record. I just, I don't know if the awareness is there and it's, I'm, right. I, I don't know. I think it's the, the empathy of the consumer. Yeah. I think what you're trying to, to say is it can apply to anything. It could be a movie, it could be an app, it can be our albums. It can be a product, it could be food, and people just are so quick. And it's, I don't think it's people's fault. I think it's mm. a, a societal thing, it's technology, it's how quick things move and people get something and they make a quick decision. It's like, this is awesome or this is crap. And then they move on and it's like, dude, Eddie spent 12 months on this thing. And it's like, the least you could do is listen to all, all the songs and not just 45 seconds. And it's, there's no guarantee of how much people are gonna digest what we do so alternatively instead of because i don't sit around worrying about spotify you know like they've been very good to my band um so maybe i'm a little biased i i don't sit around worrying about the percentage of you know royalties because i'm like man i just got to figure out other ways to make this work Hmm. and for for my band personally it's been in, in licensing and it's afforded our band to make more music without coming too much out of our family fund. Right, right. <laughs> Not a lot by any means, but it's enough to like pay our homie to, you know, produce an album, you know, down the way, but for, I think as an artist especially for, you know, I don't have a lot of money to spend on tons of vinyl and tons of merch, but it's just, just enough to make an offering that the people that appreciate what we're doing, if you have 100 people that are willing to spend 20 to 100 dollars on your art and you can front load some vinyl, some limited merch. The keyword is limited, by the way. People like vinyl sometimes because there's limited color variants. Yeah. And that's what creates the demand. And people feed off demand more than ever. It's about scarcity. And But you have to make that available. And it's not our, all artists can afford that, unfortunately, but it's about maintaining expectations if you can't do that. So if you put the music on Spotify, what are things that I can do to make the most of what I have during this X amount of time that I'm going to be pushing this, you know, yeah. the, the album life cycle. So, um, but it'd be a great idea if you could do vinyl, if you think, you know, a hundred plus people that could buy it, 
then, you know, make 200 because those hundred people might tell their friends and you might get some press on this thing and then they'll end up buying it. And then if a certain color variant sells out, all of a Mm. sudden people feel they're like, this artist must be important because they're selling out of their stuff. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a psychology game too, you know, to win people over. It's like (laughs) the corniest thing I saw today or yesterday was like McDonald's put out (laughs) <laughs> something about their chicken sandwich, a hoodie and vinyl, and it's sold out instantly. And I'm sure that was an ad agency that put that together, but it's like, if there was just a million copies of that and it just sat for sale forever, nobody would be talking about it. But people knew right away, like this, this shit is going to sell out in a second. And then people are going to talk about it. And it's like, what can an artist do with what they have to create a little bit of a, a micro vacuum of that demand, yeah. you know, to help yeah. your perception grow with your audience. And I know it's not the same for everybody, but hopefully you know, you know what I'm talking about. No, it's like I do. something special that like could just help people be convinced that you are worth their time. It's weird. Yeah. I've, I don't know, maybe it's, um, the pandemic, um, and, and not being able to go to shows and seeing a lot of people. Um, but I was spending the last like six weeks, I was really into grunge, like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. I was hell yeah, gosh. Dude. So yeah, I was really, I, I read the Chris Cornell biography, and I've been watching old like YouTube videos of Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, and then I've also been listening to a lot of vinyl the last you know month or so, and I, I don't know, it's it's really, it's it's sort of made me feel a lot better doing these things, uh, you know, uh, amongst this craziness of, of the pandemic. I don't know. Is is Yeah. I mean, that's, I could talk your ear off about that. I, I think I know what it is. <laughs> what, what, I think it's the experience. Like yeah. we're, we're human beings and it's, we like things based off of that experience that we have with other humans that like the same shit that we do. Right. And that's why concerts especially in the 90s and every era before that built up megastars because, you know, like Creedence Clearwater or the Eagles or, you know, Pearl Jam. It's like they were all playing amongst 50,000 people and people were having the time of their lives and they associate that happiness and that communal thing with the artists that they were there to see. You know, yeah. it's like that's nostalgia in the making. And with artists today, and especially during the pandemic, it's like we can't go see these artists live. People discover new music because of the openers or they found something and they know that they're playing a week from now. So you have that that time frame to capture them and you can go see them. And then you're amongst all these people that are happy. It's like imagine if I don't know if you like MacBooks, you know, like Apple products. Sure. Like, yeah. It's like imagine like you find an you find out about the MacBook on the Internet only and you get it at home and you're by yourself and you're like, this is cool compared to being in the store amongst all these people that are like all excited about MacBooks and hanging out with your friends and like, cause it's a communal thing. It's like, you want to have things that other people that are like-minded have as well. And Gee, music is just that, you know, I didn't want to, I'll just ask one question about this. Uh, you seem to be a little bit more optimistic than I am, but the world, mm-hmm. that, the world that you are talking about and the world that I miss about, Group energy and in concerts and being around groups of people. Um, do you think that's going to come back? Oh, absolutely. You too. Like, okay. It's going to be back really soon, and it's going to be a crazy year, man. It's going to be, yeah, because it's like honestly, like last year was really hard. I, you know, I'm a pretty optimistic guy, but I'm creative. I get in my head. Sometimes I get depressed about stuff, and I'm just like. I have to stay optimistic or I'm going to go nuts, man. Like I, that was my hobby was going to shows. So I had to figure out other ways to be creative. Hmm. And despite that, you know, no pandemic in the history of the world has stayed around permanently. It's like, we might have to get shots for the thing. You know, I'm not into politics. so I won't talk about <laughs> any yeah. of the opinions on that besides that, but it's like, it has to end or we're completely screwed as a society beyond music. And but all signs point towards like we're getting a handle on this thing. And I think that shows will be back here really soon. I think this year and I think touring will begin and maybe a little safer than usual. There might be some vetting that needs to happen. And but people are going to go nuts. They're going to be going to shows, buying merch and supporting emerging artists. And it will get to the point again where there's too much going on and 
it'll be back to the way it was in 2019, you know, but I think it's going to happen soon. And they're saying like the travel industry is going to boom and people are going to be, I think, a little bit more thankful for those things that we had that many consider leisurely things like going to concerts where for a lot of people it's their livelihood. Yeah. And, but it's all going to come back like the roaring twenties or whatever they're saying where <laughs> there's going to be a lot of alcoholics out there. I'm sure <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot they, of hangovers. <laughs> they've definitely probably created a lot more alcoholics. Over I know, the last but it's going to be out of joy <laughs> instead of like I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's going to be good, man. I, okay. I just, I have a lot of anxiety around like when that's going to happen. I'm not going to lie. And I'm sure you feel the same where I'm just like, man, like I'm sitting here tapping my watch. I'm like looking for some good news, but I, I also work in media and I understand that the media has to, I don't want to sound like, you know, conspiracy theorist or something. Cause it's like, this is just facts. Like websites make money off of advertisement and off of clicks. So of course they're going to post the content that gets the most amount of engagement and not saying it's wrong or anything is factual or not true, but it's like the mainstream sites are always going to post the stuff that get gets that fear and that gets that stuff going. And it's like, of course, dude, wear a mask. We got to get vaccinated. But it's like, there's a lot of things that are giving people a lack of hope, you know? And it's just like, people need to be safe. Don't be an a-hole, respect people, follow the rules and, you know, get your vaccination, please. But you know, I think that there's a lot more hope than what the media is putting out there right now because they're probably seeing such a spike in traffic and money because of all this stuff about COVID and like hating presidents and all that stuff. And it's like, I mean, that dude kind of sucked, but like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just like, I want to see more positive stuff in the media. I want to see things that are more uplifting. It's like, A, I don't like politics. I don't like too much bad news. I want to know what's going on in the world. But I also understand that like the media has to make their money. And a lot of people probably stopped advertising. So they probably upped the ante and started posting more negative stuff because they got to get the clicks, you know? Yeah. And I don't think it's any sort of like mass conspiracy to destroy the world or anything, but it's it, people just have to understand how media works. People want to feature news things that get clicks and that get engagement. They don't want to talk about a cat being saved in the tree, you know, <laughs> like that's a feel good thing. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But like, most people don't care. They're just like, they want to see something about that's tragic because they don't want that to happen to them. Yeah. So, and then they click on it because it's our sense of, it's our fear of death basically. And it's like, that gets more clicks than anything. And I think, sorry, I'm like, hopefully I'm not going too far down the rabbit no, hole No, but here. you know, but it's, but I, I guess my last point, uh, around, or last little thought I'm thinking though, I just wonder if, um, the media went too far. I just think um, I, I think there's just going to be a lot of anxiety. People being close to one another. I don't know if people trust. Oh yeah. You. And so I I just think that world where there's moshing and people bouncing <laughs> off of each other. I just feel like there's you know I'm a hypochondriac and a germaphobe and I and I don't think the world needs more people like me. Yeah. Same here, man. <laughs> I'm like. It's going to be weird. It's going to be, I'm going to be thankful and excited. I'm sure you will be, but we're going to be looking over and being like, is this dude sick? Yeah. Sick. Like, am I, because I don't think COVID's just going to go away. You know, it's like, there's going to be people at shows that are sick. And then we might get a cold from somebody and it's like, dude, do I have COVID? Like, no. Every time I've had a cold over the last year, I thought I had COVID. And it's like, and I actually went and got a test one time and, I asked my doctor, I'm like, can I get the antibody test? And it ends up I have it. Yeah. I had the the antibodies. And I'm just like, now I'm like, oh my God, like I was I had it at some point. I had no idea. Like hopefully I didn't give it to anybody else. And yeah. So definitely I'm not like three masks, Bob. Like <laughs> you know, like yeah. but I think with shows, it's like A, my theory from the beginning is that Americans are gonna be more considerate. Just like in Asian countries, if you have a cold, wear a mask. Or stay you home. Have to to see, stay right? home. Or stay home. Yeah. So I think that's actually going to help. I think less people overall are going to get sick in general, especially when it comes to mass public gatherings. Like People are going to be a little bit more mindful of that, at least for a while. And so I don't think going to shows is going to be as much of a problem because the people that feel a little sick are just going to avoid it. You know, There's always going to be that right. selfish person that goes out anyways. And... But 
I think that they're going to vet people. They're going to take temperatures. Hopefully, they're going to maybe require masks for a little while and right. limited capacity. And then we're going to see how it goes as things continue to get better. So I think that there will be a plan, and I think it's going to be implemented really soon. And but yeah, it's going to be weird, man. It's going to be. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that. And I'm going to be like, Ew. I mean, I got yeah. kids. I already. I'm already paranoid about being around people that are sick. It's like, I don't want to get my kids sick or my kids to get me sick. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough conversation. It's not like Zoom is bad. It's not like this this conversa- conversation we're having with Skype is void of emotion. Of course, you know I'm feeling a connection and I feel the energy between us. But there yeah. is, but there is still like this this glass wall that's 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 up. And I just think we as human beings really thrive. At least I know I do. I I, I prefer talking to texting. I prefer. You know, being around somebody and 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 talking and 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 sharing right. sharing the energy, and I think with this glass yeah. wall up, it it sort of makes that challenging. No, you're absolutely right. I think there's I don't understand the the scientific side of the energy, but I think as humans, we exchange energy if we're happy. You can feel it if you're pissed off. If somebody's holding back, and it's like there's something over video that lacks with that. So people, I think certain people that are more social than others, like get fuel off of that. And since people aren't getting that, they're just like, man, something's off. You yeah. know, like even with all these zoom calls, we could talk to people all day over zoom compared to you and I getting coffee somewhere. And it's like, that kind of refuels our, our vibe, you know? And it's, yeah, I can't explain it, but regardless of any sort of belief, I think it's true. You know, it's cause people know it. They like people go and hang out with their friend and they come home and they're all jazzed. And they're full of ideas and they're just like, cool, I can relax tonight because I got my cup filled with whatever I need, you know? And right. Some people need that more than others, you know? So, and that's what music does too. I think it's because it's energy. It's, as you listen to it, uh, it's very emotional and people get jazzed off of that. It fills their energy cup up, 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 yeah. up, 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 <laughs> up, 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 <laughs> Saying up a lot. Um, yeah where people can't get that virtually. It's better than nothing. That's why some people might knock those virtual live streams and stuff. Cause it's just like, come on, man. Like that's, I could watch this on YouTube, but it's like, you're supporting the artist. Just do it. Come on. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, or Patreon. It's like, anyways. Yeah. But there's something about virtual video that just doesn't get you the same connection that in person, and you could have the same exact conversation through this versus us in a room and it just will feel different. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a completely, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a different experience. You know, I've had people before the lockdown in my studio and, um, I certainly have felt like those intimate moments happen a little bit more, uh, uh, easily, more easily and, and, and more often, because again, when, when you have this sort of screen up, it's just, you know, it's, it just creates a little bit of a barrier, you know? Um, yeah, you could look over at stuff and space out. And <laughs> right. it's just like, but if you're in person, it's like if I don't look you in the eyes as I'm talking to you, that's kind of rude. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not connecting as much with people. So um, I guess yeah. my last question or area, and then I'll let you go, um, just try to think back music-wise, I mean, music's obviously been like this huge part of your life. And I'm just intrigued at hearing, you know, do you remember that first moment where you were like, oh, I, I need to keep doing this or, or that record. I, I want to hear that again. I mean, do you remember any of those moments? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few. I don't want to run over too long here, but I think that there was the moments where I was first jamming with my friends because I, I was kind of a late bloomer with music, you know, maybe like 15, 16. I had records before that, but I didn't really go to shows until I was like like 15 or 16, like Warp Tour. Did you play, and though, then, an instrument before 15? or? Yeah, I was in, in um, orchestras in high school okay. and middle school. And so I, I've played a ton of instruments throughout my life, uh, keyboards and percussion and 
guitar and drums and I was in jazz band on drums and and but I think that that kind of felt like you had to do that and I'm like well mm. that are sports and I like music but it, it felt like I had to do it compared to when you're in a band with people and you're and it's like it's very like in the zone when you play with your friends and you're like you could do this stuff for eight hours and it's like you don't get that anywhere else man like except for yoga maybe <laughs> yeah yeah but it's a, it's the same exact thing it's the same exact thing it's just different it's a different medium you know and that and then i was not to talk about something sad but i was in a band my very first band and one of the members passed away and his commitment to life was like i have to be a rock star i have to do this this is my life's purpose he was obsessed with kurt cobain by the way and nirvana and and I kind of like took that to heart and I was just like, man, I'm going to give this thing a shot to kind of like not pay tribute to him, but it's like, this seems cool. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know what else I was going to do with my life at the time. And just combining those moments of like, man, this music thing is cool. I want to kind of continue what my friend wanted to do and everything else kind of sucks. <laughs> Slinging coffee was paying some of my bills, but I don't want to sling coffee and and I think it kind of just built up this like appreciation for music and it got me ingrained in the music community, going to shows out here in Southern California and you build your friendships, you build your, it's like high school part two. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'd say a combination of those things, like going to shows, the, the passing of the friend and playing music through high school as a gateway to being a musician and appreciating it, appreciating it on that level as well. So yeah. I mean, do you um, remember though? It's weird. Like, I'll never forget. We had a piano in the house, and and just like at the age of three, I actually just started jamming on it and and like playing stuff. I mean, were you aware of like? I remember hearing the Earth, Wind, and Fire record for the first time. I think when I was five, uh, with September yeah. on it, I, and I just was like, "What is this?" And I don't know. Where there's sort of like some. Moments where you just were like, "Whoa, what the hell is this? I have to, I have to listen to this again." Or I, I don't know. I I do remember now. Actually, this is I don't think I've ever talked about it, but I, I mean, I didn't listen to a lot of rock or indie when I was young, young. But I was into like pop music and stuff, like whatever you know, R and B and pop was that was huge. And I had cassettes and stuff. And I remember being in my parents' house, and there was like a coffee table. I mean, I could have been like ten, and I with my buddy across the street made cassettes like we would design our own cassettes and we made yeah. our own pop group i don't remember what it was supposed to be but you know i love like dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince sure all corny stuff it was so good and i'm like this is fun and i would rock out i would just dress up and stuff and just rock out on the coffee table like like i was performing you know and i didn't understand that you know yeah and but i'm sure there was something at that point that because then I'm sure at some point I stopped caring as much about that aspect. And I was just in high school and just trying to learn. But I think there was something about that that probably was in my mind. And then once it got triggered by getting hit up by my buddies to form a band, and I didn't know how to play bass. And I just, they handed me the bass and they're like, learn this. <laughs> and then it kind of reactivated that thing from when I was a kid, you know. And then it was like, to be continued. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think, yeah, it was definitely from that point in my youth when I was probably like nine or ten that, just kind of pretend making a group with my friend across the street and I think pretending to have a record, you know? Somehow I just think, last uh, point, I just sometimes just music just feels good. You know, I, I, I just, I think for whatever reason, you know, when I listen to it or play it, I remember Rick Springfield when I was like five or six, that song, Don't Talk to Strangers. <laughs> I just, I loved that song. And I just remember yeah. Um, I don't know. I just like men at work down under. I just remember loving that song and just like playing oh, yeah. it over and over again. And something about music, it just, it just can make you feel good. Yeah. And it's, it's associating with the, the things that it's like, how did you discover Rick Springfield? You know, was it like a family member getting it for you or your family member just handing it to you? Like, check this out, man. Yeah. You're going to like this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, Another one that I remember, it's like maybe I've liked music longer than I thought, but I think it was like the Wayne's World soundtrack or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was probably 10 when that came out or 11. And it's like I got that soundtrack and it's like I know Alice Cooper was on there. And I'm just like, this is so rad. This is so like, 
you know, all these different kinds of rock music. And it's like, I'm just rocking out to it. And it's like, I didn't put it together, like what it meant to me. I just thought it was cool and fun. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of other people didn't care. They're just like, eh, I don't want a soundtrack. You know, I want to buy cool clothes or yeah. I want a skateboard or I want to, but you know, I like getting soundtracks and stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Remember the single soundtrack? Which one? The single soundtrack. The single. The singles. The movie. The sing uh, singles with the Cameron Crowe movie. Do you remember that soundtrack? Oh my gosh, I do not. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, you've got to go. Like again, I'm just maybe I'm a little. I'm probably a little older than you. Like like no. Um, it was you have. I'm to, almost forty. So. Oh yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm older than you. Watch. Check out the movie Singles. Um, it's with um, Matt Dillon, but Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. This was like. What? Oh yeah, it's it's like. This was when grunge. Ninety two. This was when like grunge was like huge. So check out that oh, movie. Man. Like that soundtrack changed. Oh yeah. yeah, I do remember this movie. I'm sure I've seen it. I'm looking at it on here. I remember yeah. the artwork and everything. And You've got to listen to the Chris Cornell song on there. It's it's it's. Uh, I forget what it's called. Seasons. It's called. Se wow, it's so good, dude. Oh, I totally remember this artwork for the album too. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, dude, wood. Oh yeah. Yeah, Alice Chains. Yes. I know. Um, I was listening to something about like the meaning of that song recently, by the way, you got Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell and, oh man, yeah. this is good. Oh, it's really a good soundtrack. It's great. Well, sorry for my ignorance. <laughs> no, my it's bad. fine. <laughs> um, it's, yeah. I'm definitely not the guy. Like, I don't care if people call me out and they're like, you don't know about that dude. And I'm just no, like, it's cool. Just check Nobody it out. Nobody can know about everything. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, but like this weekend or whenever, listen to this. It's just, it's really, it's really, and watch the movie too. It's great. Crazy dude, <laughs> Paul Westerberg. Who's Paul Westerberg? Oh man, I forget. Big time producer, uh, big time singer. I forget. He was in a big band. I forget the band. If you type in his name, type in his name in Google really fast, and that'll let you go. All right, Paul Westerberg. Yeah, huge, somebody listening to this is like, dude, come on, man. Huge like, band. I forget the name of the band. He is in. Oh, the Replacements. There we go. The Replacements. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You can re replace this part <laughs> and make me sound like I knew what I was talking hey, about. Hey, I don't know. I forgot. I forgot I the band too. So um, Cool, man. Like, yeah, like those soundtracks, I mean, hopefully they get good royalties from those, you know? It's yeah. Like my buddy was like in a band that, you know, he's a real estate agent now, but his band was in like Clueless or something. And it's like, oh, wow. he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I still get pretty damn good royalties from that song. And I'm like, that's so cool, man. Like artists that's one way that artists make money, you know, and they're in this movie that's like really old now, but that's cool that you still make money off of it, man. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, Bob, <laughs> Sorry, man, clicking off my window here. <laughs> no, do Back it to you now. <laughs> no, we're fine. I just, uh, I just, I appreciate you talking, but give me the name of the book again, please. Um, I was just here to talk to you. I'm not here to name drop my book. No, I know. Uh, but I it wanna... is called public relations for musicians. And it's by the time this comes out, if you choose to put it out. Oh, please. Uh, Give me a break. It's on yeah. Audible as well. So Okay, cool. Awesome. People can listen to it on the go. Yeah. And yeah. And if people want to... It helps be my kids. So somebody buy it, please. <laughs> oh, my God. And if somebody <laughs> wants to buy a house in Orange County also? Yes, I do real estate as well. So <laughs> if somebody wants to buy a house, it's a, it's a crazy market out here. And homes are way too expensive. Yeah. But I don't think they're going down anytime soon. No. So... I just, I had a sense that it would be good to talk to you and I, I appreciate you uh, taking the time. This was, this was great. Yeah. Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. And you know, like, uh, let's definitely catch up soon and talk about everything else. Yeah. That would be great, man. It's I, I could keep, you know, I could keep talking with you, but I just, um, I've sort of gotten the sense based on my experience with podcasting that Around an hour is good. Try, like I don't feel like I'm Joe Rogan. I, I to ask to ask three hours. It's two like, more hours. Yeah, I know. It's like to ask three hours of somebody. It's just like come on. It's like it's just nuts. <laughs> I don't want to hear three hours of talking from anybody. Yeah, Elon, right. Sorry, like not interested. Yeah, it's. <laughs> even, I would love to hear more about your story and yoga and all that stuff. But I know that the podcast usually we ask the guests questions. Right, so right, right, them, right. Next time. Yeah. If I make a podcast, I'll ask you. <laughs> Please. To be on it. So my uh, wife has a cool podcast as well. It's about spirituality and all the elements of that. So oh, cool. if you ever want to talk about 
um, yoga or anything specific, you know, I can introduce you to her. She has yeah. a pretty big platform and a lot of listeners. So yeah, no, that yeah. would be, yeah, no, the sh- I, I've had a lot of yoga teachers on the show also. That would be great. Definitely. Definitely. Cool, man. Cool, Eddie. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Have a good evening. Likewise, dude. You too. I'll talk to you. All right. See you, man. Peace. Later. Thanks. Bye. Bye.